Hi, I'm Stage and Stages Lin-Manuel Miranda, and you're listening to The Hamilcast. Boots and cuts and boots and cuts. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to the Hamilcast. I'm Jillian, and you're listening to my second episode with Scott Wasserman. Scott Wasserman is the Ableton programmer for Hamilton, which means that he's in charge of everything that can't be played by the orchestra. He's been with Hamilton since the Vassar days. He has a treasure trove of knowledge and stories, and he brought so many Ableton gems. If you haven't listened to last week's episode, episode number 157, you're going to want to go back and do that. Not just for the context, because there's a lot of crossover here, but just because Scott's awesome. Okay, here we go. Scott Wasserman diving into Ableton. Your mind is about to be blown. Enjoy. So one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about oh, was... God. I'm so nervous. Okay. So there's a hi-hat and snare loop in Stay Alive. Mm -hmm. And this is something uh, that was also influenced by Nevin Steinberg, the sound designer. So there's this loop that features prominently in Stay Alive and all uh, times that the Stay Alive themes c comes back in the show. It is a hi-hat loop with like a heavy snare on two and four uh, that in the show sounds like this. isolated uh, without the rest of the orchestration around it, the loop is, sounds like this. The original version of this loop sounds a little bit different and I wanted to talk about why and yeah. how Ableton affects that. Yes. So the original version of the loop sounds like this. So it's a very, very subtle difference. Mm -hmm. But what's added onto it by Ableton is what's called an oscillator or an oscillating auto filter. Mm -hmm. And what this gives it is it takes away certain frequencies in the sound for a certain amount of time. And it sort of filter sweeps through the different frequencies. And in this case, every two bars. So every two bars, this sound is sounding a little bit higher and then a little bit lower and then a little bit higher again. And it gives this this kind of like up and down sweeping feel. So if I enable the oscillator again, you can hear that sometimes it sounds like a higher pitch sound and sometimes it sounds like a lower pitch sound. So it's a really subtle thing. Yeah. But that was something that actually Nevin suggested in the workshop we did at the 52nd Street Project, mm -hmm. which was the first workshop where we incorporated choreography into the show. And we were running Stay Alive and that hi-hat loop was playing and Nevin was like, 
it just sounds a little flat, you know? Yeah. And I was like, I agree. <laughs> so I put on that auto filter that gives it that sort of like up and down sweep every yeah. couple bars just to make it sound like a little bit more movement mm -hmm. in the texture. And that's one element in the show that is being processed by Ableton live in real time every performance. So where it's high sounding and where it's low sounding is going to be a little bit different every show. Why? Just for fun. Because <laughs> <laughs> oh. Ableton enables that oscillator when the very first thing plays in the beginning of the show, even though the audio content on the track that has the oscillator isn't playing until Stay Alive. The oscillator itself is working in the background. Can Ableton communicate or understand what the orchestra is doing and then... No. 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 Ableton is sort of acting independently from what's going on around it. Once the percussionist triggers like the first cue in Alexander Hamilton at the top of the show... Uh -huh. Ableton is like, okay, the show's starting, Got it. you know, and that oscillator is enabled for use later in the show. And depending on the exact timing of anything that happens before the song Stay Alive, the oscillator could be set to start at a little higher place or a little lower place. So it's going to sound a little different every show. And it's such a subtle change that like, again, it's something no one's going to notice. Right. But for me to know that it's a little bit different every time is like the way that Ableton is part of live theater. Sure. No, <laughs> you, you know 100%. what I mean? Yeah. No, it totally it's is. It's like making the show slightly different every time. Yeah. I think it's fun. I think yeah. it's so fun. And we're going to get into that because I know the Patreon peeps have a lot of questions about how Ableton works with uh, a show like Dear Evan Hansen, which yes. is kind of all about technology and For all sure. about that. Mm -hmm. um, we were talking about ALC, right? Yes. And we talked a lot about what her job is for 10 Dual Commandments. Because I was like, yeah. what, is your, what is your hardest number to to do in your spaceship? And she was right. like, I think it's 10 Dual because there's so much going on. There's so many people singing and rapping and exactly. so and, and quickly after each and, other. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but there's also a lot of, I feel like Ableton in, in Tendal Commandments. There is. And there's actually like an Ableton solo at the top of it. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> that was horrible. <laughs> Kurt and Ian Weinberger and I, during tech for Broadway, mm -hmm. started coming up with phrases that we could use to replace any of the tracked elements oh or like God, any of the instrumental that. moments in the show of love like it. syllables and words that fit to match the, <laughs> the beats. So the top of 10 Duel became fishnets, whiskers, toothbrushes, dishes. <laughs> Just because, why not? <laughs> Another good one is uh, uh, the brass in Room Where It Happens uh -huh. is, this is playing on the track. <laughs> you know that this is now what I'm going to hear Oh, always. there's there's Wait. a million of okay. them. Okay. <laughs> uh, what's the other one? The, well, this incorporates some lyric, but at the end of Skylar Sisters, uh, we always went work, 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 working for Kurt. 
<laughs> and then the very end is I don't know how I came up with this one, but it's it, it's hard to say. It's baby didgeridoos have really bad tone. <laughs> baby didgeridoos have really bad tone. Well, yeah. <laughs> and then you just go bam. Yeah, just bam. Uh, the hardest one to say is the top of Skylar Sisters, the drum fill. Oh. It references a lyric that was cut from the show. Um, in the old version of One Last Time, it mm-hmm. used to be One Last Ride. Sure. And there was a moment where Washington and Hamilton went to the Whiskey Rebellion, mm-hmm. and Hamilton would yell at everyone, pay your fucking taxes. Yes. So uh, our lyric for <laughs> the top of Skylar Sisters became, pay your taxes. This used to be in the show about now as cut. Can you do but it? But you have time? to do it in the rhythm. So it's like, pay your taxes. This used to be in the show that would just cut. Is <laughs> that the rich folks love more? Exactly. <laughs> oh my God. Oh man, what else is there? <laughs> it's so funny because, like, when Ian was here, Ian, like, spilled all the tea, which is not even tea because it was all out there and just being lovely. And so, like, then Alex came over and said all this stuff. And then Kurt came over and he was like, I don't know what I'm going to say because, like, Ian and, and Alex did it all. Well, I felt the same way. I thought, like, Kurt was to say everything they didn't say. Right. So. But then, because Kurt was like, I can't believe you and Ian didn't talk about snobs because you yeah. talked about everything else under the sun. And now you're like, did you know about how we used to know? You guys, the show is an onion. I will say it all day every day oh man so yeah those are the highlights i think (laughs) so also in tech and obviously these things come up in tech because we have so much time so many hours are just sitting there like waiting for things to be programmed like lighting cues all that kind of stuff and we're just coming up with all this stuff (laughs) so one of the things that we started to do was kurt and i started coming up with puns that involved lyrics and titles of songs from the show and indian food so uh one example is write a hand man uh there's also lord show me how to samosa this <laughs> and well it all started with non-stop and a-a-n yeah, of course because we were like that would be a great name for a restaurant right the non-stop right right <laughs> can it just take over scientology pizza <laughs> yes <laughs> Even that would though, be perfect. Even though that pizza place has nothing to do with Scientology, I'm sorry. It's but still it's just, Scientology, it's Scientology pizza. pizza. Yeah. And last I looked, they had a B rating, so don't go. Oh, no, do not go. <laughs> the worst is when a sushi place has less than A. Yeah. What are you doing? I saw a sushi place that had a C the other day. I'm like, it's rare to see a C rating. Yes. Don't you have go to there. really that try. That should be shut down. <laughs> sushi? No, God, thanks. God, come on. No, thank you. Um, what else do we have? Um, oh, not throwing away my chat. <laughs> Would you guys sing it to each other or say it to each other? I know I feel like it's an audience of of one. Yeah, it would either be just like leaning into each other, like, like quietly, like adding then, it, or, or texting giggles. each other. You know, if he was in the pit and I was in the house or something, like texting right. back and forth. Right. So yeah, all the Indian food puns. There's a lot of puns with yeah. this show. Yep. And we had cocktail names too that we came up with off Broadway in particular. We were like, what are they going to call the cocktails on Broadway? Oh my God. Yes. No so, one has told me any of these. Yeah. I'll we, make you them the, officially, the best, but no. You the should, best you one was we came up with an idea for like a really crazy strong Long Island iced tea called the Other 51 <laughs> that had like every liquor in it. Like, That's <laughs> what I served Bill Sherman. There it is. The Other 51 yeah. because he was like, I'll drink whatever. Yeah, and I was like, 51. actually, whatever. Is there anything? And uh, <laughs> no, what we served him was the other, like Mixmaster Mike, my husband, made it. And he uh-huh. was like, he said he would drink anything. 
It's the other 51. <laughs> uh, but I love that we, we have been on the same page for years now. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And uh, well, the Whiskey Rebellion was also one of the cocktails because at that time that was still on the show. And that's right. such a great name for a cocktail. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Ten Dual Commandments. Oh, <laughs> that's God. where this always leads. I know. I'm get, I'm, I'm, now I'm distracting you because I'm like, I don't know if I can handle it. I don't know if I can handle it. So yeah, there's a lot of hap- lot of tracks happening on Ableton right at the beginning. Um, and they sort of dissipate once the live band comes in. But I'll play you exactly what you hear on the track uh, until the live band joins in. Mm-hmm. And then the live band takes over. So the live drums, like real drum kit, and then the percussionist on the electronic drum pad sort of take over what Ableton set up with that electronic drum groove on what we call a lo-fi kit. And then you still, the Ableton is still playing underneath it. Ableton, just... yeah, Ableton is still playing underneath the rest of the live band doing those uh, hi-hat mm-hmm. uh, eighth notes. And also coming in with sort of sound effect-y elements after the fact. So uh, it comes in with what we call the siren sound. Yes. And... I don't even know what you'd call that. (laughs) We just called it Scratch 2. (laughs) And then the click drops out and all the... Yes. is played by the drummer or by the percussionist sorry on the drum pad yeah and then the click comes back in for the end of the song okay so we're doing this number nine look him in the eye ain't no higher summon all the courage you require count one two three four five six seven eight nine number ten paces fire so that's what's on ableton during ten <laughs> commandments and the the whole beginning of it like i said the until the where with the hi-hat came in just a little yeah it's all just ableton and then the live band takes over and i think the the purpose of that and the reason like orchestrated it that way was just to give maximum impact on number one then you have like the live musicians entering there totally but to set it up like a true hip-hop song and especially as a reference to the 10 crack commandments right yeah so it's supposed to have that electronic feel in the beginning yeah one two three four five six seven eight nine it's the ten crack commandments one it's basically if excel could play music totally. that's what <laughs> i was just thinking of holly campbell excel queen like i totally that's what ableton looks like it's, so it's all cool. a grid system and it's like it's it's a little counterintuitive to people that have been using other types of music software like uh-huh. Logic and Pro Tools and things because all of those programs are linear. It's all about a timeline, yeah. right? 
timeline. I know. And (laughs) yeah, I know. (laughs) But Ableton sets it up on a grid system. So all of those elements that we just heard are separated into individual audio files. So I have the clock ticking on its own. I have the hi-hats on their own. The scratching. The lo-fi drums without reverb. And then the lo-fi drums with reverb. They're all in the same horizontal line and yeah. they all have their own specified start points and end points right. and whether they loop or not. And then when you hit play on the whole line, which we call a scene in Ableton, so okay. the whole scene of 10 Dual Commandments, when you play them so together, theater. they all overlap. That is so cool. <laughs> I'm freaking out watching it. Like visually, it's so cool. So that's the cool thing about Ableton for its use in the theater is that all of the individual elements of any of the beats are broken up in a way that anything can be individually tweaked at any time. Right. So like if Tommy Kale is like, I can't hear this one word in this one rap because of this one sound, I can take that tiny little element of the sound out and not have to change and like rebounce the entire song. Yeah. You know? Totally. So it gives you that flexibility. It's great. All right, all right. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> can we do the rewind maybe? Yeah, let's do the rewind. So the rewind is actually kind of unique in the show because the sound team is responsible for swapping out the file based on who's playing Angelica or Eliza in that performance mm-hmm. because of those pre-recorded vocals sure. in it. And in order to line up the vocals with the track elements, they keep the whole rewind section as a sound file themselves, really? basically. So when Ableton gets to that point in Satisfied to cue the rewind, this is all you hear from the tracks on Ableton. That's it. So that is the lead-in to the rewind cue, and all of what we created as the actual rewind effect, all of those like record scrambles and backwards effects and everything, sound plays back a track that includes those and the vocals. So it doesn't actually live on Ableton. Right. You know what I mean? No, totally. Um, The way that Ableton triggers it is through a MIDI cue. And the cool thing about Ableton is that it can send MIDI and timecode. And we'll talk about timecode more if we get to Dear Evan Hansen stuff. Totally. But in Hamilton, we just use MIDI cues. Okay. So at that moment, a single MIDI note is being communicated from Ableton to the sound desk and the sound desk receives that information and basically it's saying play the rewind right now please Uh (laughs) and sound has their list of cues and sound effects that they can play back in QLab right so Ableton is sending that information and the rewind will happen right on the downbeat after those reverse 
do sounds happen? And then the click track enables and will continue underneath it to keep the band in time with the track that's playing. And then the band will come back in when the rewind is done and Ableton will continue on with sending the information for those ladies cues and also playing what I call the glitch sound effect, um, which is a 16th note pattern underneath a lot of Angelica's rapping in Satisfied. And that sounds like this. I think of it almost like looking at an old film reel. Yes. You know, that's that sound of like the, the film flapping, you know? Yeah. Uh, and to me, it just gives the whole body of the song that feeling that we're not in a, a steady place. We're not like, we're not settled right now, you know? It just kind of keeps you on edge. Yeah. Which is what you need for the contrast between helpless and satisfied to be as extreme as possible. Yeah, and that it's also like a stressful sound. It's like you know, it's incessant. It's her heart. Yeah, it's totally her heart freaking out. Like, how do I handle this? Oh my god, it's my sister and uh huh, Scott. I'm losing <laughs> my mind. Yeah, those are the the glitchy sixteenths that <gasps> keep playing. So that happens all the way through. When Hamilton says, just you wait, just you wait, so, 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 so. here's what happens underneath that. <gasps> so there's this reverse cymbal and reverse guitar sound effect that creeps in underneath the so, 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 and then those 16th notes come back in underneath the next rap because we're back in her... In her... Her head. Yeah. Again. So, 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 so this is what it feels like to match with someone at your level. What the hell is the catch? It's the feeling of freedom of seeing the light. It's been Franklin with you see it right this is all happening in the split <laughs> second in her brain really so, truly mm-hmm. so it, it could you know the sound also could be like her processing all of the thoughts right. you know like filing through all the thoughts <sighs> you know so 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 that happens underneath every rap that she does in the song wow it's just a really subtle layer that again alex lackamore brilliant orchestrator was like we need to make sure we include this Oh my God. You're speechless. I am. <laughs> That's I fun. I, I got to introduce you to something that you didn't know yes. existed. Wait, but you said something also about the gasp. Oh yes, there's the gasp. That is another uh, MIDI cue from Ableton to the soundboard and they play an actual gasp sound effect when Hamilton kisses Angelica's hand. You're like me. I'm never satisfied. Is that right? I've never been satisfied. Here's what the gasp itself sounds like on its own. You're like me, I'm never satisfied. Is that right? I've never been satisfied. And it has that kind of like ghost-like, yeah. echoey quality, like like this <sighs> breathy, like someone's being snatched away. Like yeah, a, like a, it's the like ghost of Christmas the past. haunting of Hill House. Like <laughs> sure, that yeah, just like. <laughs> Yeah, it's creepy. That was designed by Nevin Steinberg. Oh, that's yeah. it's gorgeous. It's yeah. gorgeous and heartbreaking and just mm-hmm. God, like they haven't given us enough, Scott. <laughs> it's amazing. It's so cool and crazy. So what I didn't talk about really is the actual contents of the 
rewind itself. So mm-hmm. I mentioned that it's playing back from sound, but the music that's in it contains a lot of, uh, like, like I said, sort of scrambled record scratch sounds and the sounds of things being like put into reverse. And they wanted it to sound like, you know, Lynn wanted it to sound like, uh, like a tape being rewound sure. basically. Cause that's the, <laughs> you know, even though we don't really use tapes anymore, that's the reference point that a lot of people can grasp onto totally. with the rewind thing. So uh, here are some elements of that. Yeah, you you heard that the the scratch sound is the same as Ten Dual Commandments, just mm-hmm. at a different tempo there. Yeah, uh, and there's a guitar sound playing along with the melody in the beginning that the live orchestra does join in with. It's so ghosty. I mean, that's great that just the sound of it evokes that. That's the goal. Now, you know? the next time I see it, I'm going to be like, "No, come back!" What, what, right. Which is what you do anyway, right? Like the right. turntable does that. And in this moment, Angelica is stationary in the center, right. and everything is spinning around her. You know, and being she moved talks to us, right? One of the coolest things about the process of coming up with how the rewind would work was the fact that it was based a lot on Andy Blankenbuehler's choreography. When he knew that he needed a certain number of counts to achieve the rewind, Mm -hmm. but didn't have the music in place yet. So one of the things that I did in rehearsal was take a video of, I remember it was John Rua specifically, uh, doing Andy's choreography that he came up with for these however many counts for the rewind. I think it was specifically the end of the rewind when it goes into that moment where you hear the 10 dual scratch, the the I remember that night part. I took that video and I put it onto my computer into Logic and I started lining up different record scratch sounds to match the accents of the choreography that Rua was doing and then sent that back to Lac and then Lac rearranged from there. And, you know, it was a cool uh, cool process of going from choreography to music rather than music to choreography. That is, I've never heard anyone say that. That's incredible. Yeah. Well, that's the genius of Andy Blankenbuehler, too. He's like, I know what this needs to be. I got this, guys. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And then you use the video of John Rua. Well, his the way he dances incredible. is so clean and focused, yeah. and the accents are so clear in his body yes. that it made it easy to line the music up with his specific movements. Mm-hmm. Um, it was Yeah, that was one of the coolest projects <laughs> I had so to do. Awesome. And it still changed a lot from there, but that was like a really sure. cool starting point yeah. for, for the rewind. Yeah. Ready for more Easter eggs? Yes. Okay. Reynolds pamphlet. <gasps> so the stuff that's happening on Ableton is pretty cool, obviously, <laughs> uh, for this song. Yeah. It's just such a cool song. But it's less than you might think because okay. the live band is doing so much to help with what's happening in the track, especially the percussionist. Mm-hmm. Um like all of the really fast, like hi-hat 16th and 32nd mm-hmm. notes things, those are all happening live. So what's on the track is this, right from the beginning. The Reynolds pamphlet. Have you read this? 
right there. The percussionist is using the drum pad, which has electronic percussion sounds uh-huh. on it to give it more of that like trap kind of feel that we're right. going for with this song. Um, so that still sounds electronic. And Got then it. the synthesizer sounds in the keyboards are also giving it that electronic feel. But right. then everything else is, you know, acoustic That's instruments, so acoustic bad. drums, acoustic That's bass, so cool. acoustic guitar. Yeah. Well, electric guitar, but yeah. Um, And then in the choruses, there's this synthesizer line that plays. kind of gnarly right <laughs> that's that second one i never heard they're like bow, 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 yeah all the echoes of yeah like that i never heard fluttering before. around yeah it's like laughing at him kind of like, right bow, 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 well bow, funny bow. you should mention the laughing at him <gasps> because at the end of the song there is crowd noise of laughter on the track on ableton that doesn't really come through the texture of the song in the theater, but it just adds this like extra element, and you can hear it when I play "What's on Ableton," um, and it, I, I think it's one of the coolest things that's sort of buried in the show, but adds so much to what's going on in the Wait, moment. Wait, so it's not the it's not the cast members like like the cast Whoa. is all singing. So here's what's happening on the track. What? <laughs> oh my god that's so creepy isn't it when you hear it like the really distant like kind of reverb cackling here's the the laughter like just on its own without oh hearing my god. anything else <laughs> Once, like I think <laughs> I use that in the residuals. I think I like when because uh, in the residuals, the web series that my husband and I uh-huh. made, um, our friend Kelly played a stand-up comic who, like, yeah. in the first season, like, wasn't doing very well, uh-huh. and then in the second season, she was like doing better. And then I was, I think I was using some of that, and then, oh my yeah. god. Did I use the same sound? You probably no, use the same no sound. Way, no I way. mean, oh actually, there's a lot of people out there that if you're familiar with Logic and the Apple Loops library, there's a lot of stuff in Hamilton that originated in that Apple Loops library that has been affected in different ways, but is still used in the show. And I think that was purposeful. Like, not everything wanted to be completely reprocessed and made from scratch because there's that sense that the show belongs to all of us, right? Mm -hmm. And you could do this yourself too. And you definitely can with a program like Logic. Like Lynn created his demos in Logic using all of, like drawing from all these Apple loops. And if you're a budding composer, start there. And it could end up in a Grammy award-winning soundtrack, you know? Oh my God, yeah. (laughs) It's like that same thing where you, every time, whether it's like a commercial for it or something, that same like, (gasps) oh, that gasp right. that's in every you know like did she do that <gasps> yeah or the wilhelm scream which oh, we cover yes. in a song salad episode yes, totally. the stock sound effect of this screen that's been used in hundreds maybe thousands of movies and tv shows right. at this point 
doesn't mean you're not being creative no. if you use it. It's just finding how it's best used for your project. Yeah, and so. if it ain't broke, right? Like just <laughs> use the thing that's been used because clearly you uh-huh. can use it to what you need it to be. Yeah. One of my other favorite things. Back to Julie Andrews, you mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> These are a few of them. Uh, <laughs> do you know that? Oh Lynn did the whistling for the top of Blow Us All Away. I do know that, but mm-hmm. I haven't actually heard it. Well, here it is on its own. Oh, God. All right, I have to interject real quick. Yeah. I am on the record. I hate the sound of whistling. Yeah? I hate it. Why? If I'm out somewhere and someone's like whistling mm-hmm. or doing something, it makes me crazy. Um, So I'm sure like Mike is just like, are you going to act like you fucking love whistling now? And the, the, <laughs> the, the difference is that because there's an echo to it. Uh-huh. And it's part of a whole story, and, and there's not a and there's context to it. it. <laughs> there's not someone in Gristides <laughs> right, whistling for no reason. Well, it wasn't always a whistle; it was a flute originally, and the flute still exists later in the song. So here's the flute doing the same exact thing. But I think it was Tommy Kale, to his credit, that thought to open the song with that flute as Philip and these boys are coming downstage feels so inorganic Mm -hmm. uh, that it was distracting. But to have the sound of a whistle, like this guy whistling walking down the street. Because it sounds like Philip. Because it the sounds like Philip. The flute would not sound like Philip. Yeah. Philip casually with braggadocio walking down the street. Yeah. You know? Like hitting on two girls. And exactly. Yeah, yeah. So we do the whistle just at the top. Uh, and then in the transition out of the theater, which is the um, the transition after George Eaker into when Philip uh, asks for advice from yeah. from Hamilton. Sure. The whistle comes back one more time in that transition, which sounds like this. With the same 10 dual scratch setting up the fact that he's going to be talking about a duel. Mm-hmm. George, George, I'm trying to watch the show. You should have watched your mouth before you talked about my father, though. I didn't say anything that wasn't true. Your father's a scoundrel, and so it seems to you. It's like that? Yeah, I don't fool around. I'm not your little schoolboy. See you on the dueling ground. That is, unless you want to step outside and go now. I know where to find you. Piss off. I'm watching this show now. One of my other favorite tracked moments in the show is in Wait For It. And this was something that Alex Lackamore created that I think is just so gorgeous. It is a dulcimer sound, and the dulcimer is used in the show um, most prominently in It's Quiet Uptown, um, but it's just such a great sound from that era, mm-hmm. uh, and when you play it backwards, it has this really haunting quality to it, and Alex put it into wait for it.
I just think it's so beautiful. <laughs> it is so beautiful. And it's this like teardrop, this fluid, this beautiful. Right. Oh my God. And the reason I think it works so well in reverse um, and reverse piano works really well too is because there are instruments where all you have is the attack and then the uh, like the tail of the sound. And with a violin, for instance, you can sustain the note for as long as you want. With a piano or a dulcimer, you hit it once and then it's just about how long it rings you know? So when you put it in reverse, you're always going to hear the tail of when it was ringing crescendoing into wherever it was struck. So it's still going to have a sense of place in the music and like a sense of a articulation and a mm-hmm. downbeat. Um, but you're going to get this beautiful like little crescendo leading up to wherever that articulation moment is. Yeah. So... That's why I love the dulcimer landing on those specific beats. And then the most impactful moment of it coming in is before the final chorus. I'm willing to wait for it. Clap, clap. And it goes that big like. Yeah. So that crescendo is aided by the dulcimer in that moment. I'm willing to wait for it. Playing a full chord for the first time. It's always been single notes until that moment. Oh my God. (laughs) It's so funny. It's like, ah, the universe has been having my back so hard because (laughs) Deanna was here and she was talking about like being in in that room where Kurt, you know, you and Kurt were there, right? Yeah. And then um, we were talking about that, wait for it, two, three. And like I used that in the episodes and now you're here and it's just like, it's so cool to hear three people (laughs) tell the story from three different perspectives it's like the coolest thing like i couldn't have planned it and i didn't plan it that way like i, I truly didn't know but it's just really incredible and i know you guys you're going crazy at home but so am i in my home it's amazing i also had the honor of being the one to play those claps in all of the yes. readings and workshops because they were assigned to a key on my keyboard and i would just hit clap clap you know each time it's such a satisfying moment as a player too to be like nothing else is happening the air has literally been sucked out of the room and i'm just going clap clap and then full wall of sound at the audience and you just see people start crying yes And actually, it's funny, I in listening to the first part of Kurt's episode, you asked him what his favorite song at the moment was. Mm-hmm. I remember Kurt always saying Wait For It was his favorite song. Uh-huh. Always, forever. And now he's talking about Burn. And I'm like, 
hmm kurt when did this change (laughs) (laughs) what do you have against wait for it yeah so i'll have to ask kurt about that so what is your favorite today today um it i mean it obviously also changes a lot because i'm in rehearsal so often with the show and and like paying attention to way the way things work in -hmm. the show but i think today it's quiet uptown i just think it's so heartfelt and it's um so simple which is why it's so beautiful mm-hmm. and effective. Yeah. So Quiet Uptown is my favorite right now. <laughs> you know, Kurt's like, remember that time in 2014 <laughs> when your favorite helpless. song was... <laughs> I, I said helpless on the last episode. Yeah. But, uh, and I do still love helpless. And I still feel the same way yeah. that it, I, I think it effectively captures Eliza's emotions in that moment yeah. so well. But I just think Quiet Uptown is masterful. Yeah. It changes every day except it's always Yorktown. Like Yorktown <laughs> is always the thing, but they're, di- you know, day by day, a song will change about like how it's affecting me or what I need mm-hmm. in that day. Or When you first listened to the album yeah. or when you first saw the show, yeah. did you think Yorktown should have been the end of act one? Oh God, no. I, I wasn't even thinking that far. No? No, I wasn't. I was just like, I just want to, I, I took it as the journey. I kind of didn't. Oh, what an interesting question. no. It, love, it feels like such a point of finality. Like we won the war, end of act. I know, right? and people clap in the middle of it mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, often, which I love. Where it's just like fuck yeah. Um, but I love a good end of act one. Like you know, all the characters, every, all, you know, like Rand and yeah. Elena. Like I just love that whole thing. But no, it never occurred to me to think about it in in that kind of way. Why did you? Yeah, I did. <laughs> In the development of the show, I really thought Yorktown was going to be the end of Act One, and then Theodosia happened right after, and I was like, "Why are we still here? <laughs> you know, like, shouldn't we oh. take a break now?" And then and they're it like, was, "No, that's Act Two. Well, the yeah, there you go. <laughs> the The brilliance of it, though, is that yes, there's this huge turning point at the end of Yorktown, but the story is about Hamilton himself and the bigger journey is going from winning the war to Mm -hmm. creating a country. And you can't talk about creating the country yet until you do nonstop. And, and Theodosia is, I mean, as beautiful as the song it is, it's really just a transition. It's a transition showing out of death comes birth and now we can move on, you right. know? And nonstop, like, and that moment you were talking about with all of the vocals overlapping and everything, I remember very distinctly when nonstop was created and it was finalized that summer at Vassar. Um, and I remember sitting at the piano with Lack and Tommy and Lynn and trying to figure out how nonstop would end. <laughs> And I'm just sitting there next to Lack and he's just like trying different ideas, different chord progressions. And Lynn is like throwing out lines and stuff. And like a lot of the bones of where each character would interject, like where Angelica would start singing, where Eliza would start singing, like what Burr would be continuing to do. That was all there. But the thing that wasn't there yet was um, Hamilton going back into I am not throwing away my just you wait none of that existed in Lynn's demo at that point so I remember sitting at the piano like late at night after rehearsal had already been over for a few hours and we were all just like still in the rehearsal room and all of the team like coming up with 
okay, let's go back into the not throwing away my shot. Oh, what if the ensemble starts singing Just You Wait? And like, and then figuring out how to go back into the Alexander Hamilton, Hamilton, Just You Wait, and all that. And that was all worked out like in one sitting. And I was lucky enough to be there for it. So yeah, as yeah. Kurt says, like, I'm not going up to, I'm not getting up to go to the bathroom right now when exactly. they're like trying to figure out. No, I felt the exact same way. Yeah. I was like, I want to be present for did everything. you want to be in the room where, where it happened, happened? Yeah. that was before the song rumor happened existed I know. You still, and the point is it's universal it's like yes. everyone wants to be i was a burr in that moment yeah <laughs> Well, I mentioned that at the top of Ten Dual Commandments, there mm-hmm. is an Ableton solo. Yes. There's one other moment in the show where there's an Ableton solo. Oh my God. And it's in nonstop. It's underneath when Burr is giving his uh, little monologue about the creation of the Federalist Papers. There are no musicians playing in the pit during that speech. That's all on Ableton. Wait, what? (laughs) And then the band comes back in at the end of it for the re-entrance of How Do You Write Like You're Running Out of Time. Wait, wait. John Jay got sick after writing five. James Madison wrote 29. Hamilton wrote the other 51. How do you write like you're running out of time? Right day and night like you're running out of time. Every day you fight like you're running out of time. Running out of time, are you running out of time? How do you write like tomorrow won't arrive? How do you write like you needed to survive? How do you write every second you're alive? Every second you're alive, every second you're alive. If the pianist wasn't locked in like robotically precisely with the rhythm of what was happening the delay would sound off so it was easier to put it onto the piano and that was actually the same for the first cabinet battle the dun 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 what that was put onto the track as well after originally being assigned to a keyboard player because the delay effect was too often not lining up with what we were hearing So it's funny, like, you know, we say that's like 
I always yell out Ableton solo whenever that <laughs> happens. <laughs> and uh, um, at least for the original Broadway pit, um, Johnny Dinklage, the violin player, he always, like every time that moment happened, he would stand up and stretch and walk around <laughs> and then go sit back down and start playing again. But, yeah, those few moments where it's like just Ableton playing or if a member of the band has a chance to relax for yeah, you no, know please Every, everyone the, yeah. else in the band has like takes the opportunity to get up stretch get a drink of water yeah. breathe because there's no break for the band in this show there's no dialogue scenes where you can just like <laughs> read your book or check your twitter yeah. or whatever so yeah it's the that moment and also the second cabinet battle i believe keyboard two doesn't have to play anything mm-hmm. in the second cabinet battle so that's a good chance for the keyboard two player to <laughs> just get up, walk around, just stretch, do the shoulder, do a couple yoga yeah. poses. I think uh, uh, Andreas Ferrero was saying that there are a couple, there are really just a couple moments where he can just do like a little neck stretch or just. A oh little, yeah, he's got it rough. Yeah, he's got it rough, and he's in that little, uh, at least at the Rogers, where mm-hmm. he's kind of in this little cave right. <laughs> because he plays so loud. Yeah, and the drums are so loud that he's sort of isolated. He's like, I can. Just kind of look around, yeah, and uh, take a breath. <laughs> that's true for the tours too. Like yeah. the drummer is usually in a separate booth and yeah. sometimes in a separate part of the theater than Aww. the rest of the band. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's so sad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But usually, there's also a video feed of whatever's happening in the drum booth for right. the conductor because the conductor doesn't want to start the show and see that there is no drummer sitting at well, the drum set. Mm, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do you get like how cool your story is yet? Like, are you <laughs> are you still one of those people who's like, nah, I didn't do that. But <sighs> I no, I okay. I think I am still one of those people that's like, I I think more about the relationships that I have with people and the fun of the process of creating the show and the fact that we all worked so hard, but so hard because we knew that it was something that we wanted the world to see. And then once it was out in the world and everything else happened with Hamilton and it became what it is, it was an incredible feeling, but it it still hasn't, still hasn't sunk in yet of like, I was a part of something so special. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's not to say I don't realize how special it is. No, I know. And and Hamilton like quite literally changed my life, um, both because it was the first show that I did electronic music programming on and because... I felt comfortable enough after Hamilton opened that I was going to be like secure in my career that I like proposed to my wife <laughs> and you know we Hey got, Megan, is she listening? I hope so. I hope so. I'm <laughs> sure she is. Uh shout out to my wife Megan yes. Wasserman. She's in Ever After at the Alliance Theater right now. Oh my God, Go amazing. see Ever After if you're in Atlanta. Um but yeah, it's just like it it gave me a sense of artistic fil- fulfillment and personal security and professional security that is unmatched you know like we all in this business work on so many projects and so many shows and you just get used to the lifestyle of like i need to take every show because you never know which one is going to stick and then when you get one that not only sticks but blows up in the way hamilton does it's hard to kind of walk back from that mindset of like still trying to grasp at every show. And then you sort of take a step back and realize, no, it's, it's okay. Hamilton is enough sometimes, <laughs> you know?
told you your mind would be blown. You know I can't lie to you. Again, I am so grateful that Scott was so open and generous with everything that he brought and played and how he explained it. I'm just, I'm over the moon about it. And guess what? Scott has a third episode. We're talking more Hamilton. We're talking Dear Evan Hansen. We're talking 21 Chump Street. You definitely don't want to miss it. We had so much fun. I hope you guys are enjoying these episodes. So I'm going to go get back to editing because I want Scott's third episode to come out on time. And that's it for me. Thank you again. I love you. I'll talk to you so soon. I'm G.Pen. brought to you by my love of the thing, TM, and my complete lack of chill. Please join me in raising all the glasses to Sir Alex Lacamoire for generously making my intro music and this custom Yorktown arrangement that I will never, ever get over. Thank you, thank you, thank you. To become a Patreon peep and get the chance to ask questions to guests, get tons of behind-the-scenes access, and join the best, kindest, and most welcoming corner of the internet, go to patreon.com slash thehamilcast. I love you guys. Thank you. Hashtag Team No Chill. I'm at The Hamilcast on all social media, and you can listen wherever you get your podcasts. The Residuals is my web series with my husband, Mike, you know Mike, and can be found at theresiduals.tv. True Crime Obsessed is my true crime comedy podcast with my podcast soulmate and Broadway royalty, Patrick Hines of Theater People and Broadway Backstory fame. Thank you again so much for listening. It means the world to me. To the revolution! revolution!